to me, I think that the anticipation of conversation, planning it how I wanted to go, knowing how I wanted to sound was really sticking roots there. I had people encouraging me to write and because it was coming to me from a place of ease and I was like, not a hell with that. I'm going to go be a chef. Welcome to Chatting Over Chowder. We're your hosts, Bethany and Sherline. Chatting Over Chowder is a podcast where we ask people in the podcasting industry what podcasts they listen to while eating chowder. Join us for some fun, laughs, and tomfoolery. Get your spoon ready. We're about to dive in. for being on Chatting Over Chowder. I am Bethany. And I'm Sherilyn. And we are the duo behind Crackers and Soup, a podcast management business. And today we have with us Jacqueline, also known as Junk Lumiere. And she is a copywriter, brand whisperer, and doer of all things wordy. A self-proclaimed ad rat, she's been the writer behind brands like AT&T, American Express, and Mini Cooper, and is now the founder of Self-Righteous providing consulting and copy services for value-first entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for coming. No problem. I always get so awkward after people do their intros, like when they're good, because I'm like, wow, that was so good. I see why you do this. (laughs) You're like, and then I heard you and I was like, I'm comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I completely forgot whatever I was going to (laughs) say. And I was just reading what you wrote and you're so engaging in all of your copy all the time. Thank and you. that's kind of like how I gravitated towards you. You and I were in a group together and every time you dropped a, a post or a comment or a message, I was like, she's so smart. She's so good with her words. I wish I could be Jack. I don't have any and no tantalizing posting copy that I can create. I'm just like gifts. I do. I do mess with them gifts though too. They're an important part of copy. Don't don't discount the gifts. Gifts give. That's a controversial issue in itself. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Now with that group that we were in, I got a lot of flexibility and freedom there. But in general, it's it's just always want to show up and actually talk like we're talking with human beings in coffee. I think that's what makes it memorable. So how did you, so many people don't understand the art and, and the beauty of copy. And a lot of people don't even know the terminology of copy. So how did you get into copy? When did you realize that that writing could be so unbelievable, not only unbelievably persuasive, but also put money in my bank account? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I was just telling my husband yesterday, we need a better word than copy because I, I don't feel like it really does like embody everything that it's supposed to be. I, I pushed writing away hard. It was one of those things in the beginning that people are like, actually, I'll even go farther back because in our membership, we had an aha moment. I think I learned how to make great copy from being a really insecure kid. I think it's in, if you're, if you ever grew up with any kind of like social anxiety or awkwardness, you might fall into the habit of like practicing conversations before you go into them because you're so scared that it's going to be that you're going to say the wrong thing or sound dumb. So I would, but I was like borderline schizo, right? So like (laughs) I was going like full conversations and then this person's going to say this. So I'll say this. And like for a while, especially like I had a a half brother that would visit us for weekends with like my cool older brother. And I'd practice, like, I want to look cool when he gets here, right? The whole thing. So to me, I think that 
the anticipation of conversation, planning it how I wanted to go, knowing how I wanted to sound was really taking roots there. I had people encouraging me to write and because it was coming to me from a place of ease and I was like, not a hell with that. I'm going to go be a chef. And I moved to France and I started cooking and I like had that whole thing going on. And then I was like, no, I like weekends and holidays. This is work. <laughs> so I came back um, and I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll try this writing thing. I started off writing for magazines. I was the editor of the Napa Valley magazine for the food section for a little bit. And then just kind of fell into copy into the agency world and, and worked my way up. And that was it. I just never looked back. There was something about the intimacy of representing someone's brand that was like, oh, holy crap, like someone worked to create something and build something. And they're coming to you and say, hey, put a voice behind this. And I was like, oh, well, cool. This is a lot of fun. Let's, let's play with this. I love that you you view it as so much fun because I know for myself, I tell Bethany all the time, I'm like, I can visually communicate what is needed. Okay. But when it comes to the copy, not my strongest suit. And so I, you know, I admire people who have the ability to just put together phrases and words and like just it come out as magic because it, it truly is. And I, and I, I truly value copy. And again, like Bethany was saying, I don't think enough people realize the importance of it when it comes to anything from your website to the social posts that you do, you know what I mean? It, something as minor as, as that. It, it can make a world of a difference in how you appear to others, to clients, competition, to everything. And even especially for advertisements and social ads. So, you know, we're in a world where you have to capture people's attention in such a short amount of time. And the best way to do that is with the right copy. And if you don't have that skill set, and you don't have the time to practice that skill set and get better at it and, and teach yourself, you need to hire a copywriter. Like that's yeah. just plain it. Oh, thank you for that. First of all, I totally admire people that can visualize like the graphics and the beauty and the design. Like I see things that come together like that. And I'm like, where I love everything, how that feels. I want to paint my home room like that. Like I, I, that's a gift I don't have. So right, right back at you. But yeah, I feel, I feel like it's kind of a two, two fold situation. On the one side, it's really important for, you know, an audience to feel seen. I think especially now more than ever, we're, we're in this great place. It's also a terrible place, right? We have so many platforms to talk to people on and which is great because we have more mediums to express and connect. But at the same time, there are so many voices that are there that it almost becomes like sensory overwhelm to be receiving all this messaging all the time and can actually become very lonely because it's just a crowd of noise coming at you. And so if the copy doesn't make you feel really genuinely seen and heard and validated in the experience that you're having, you just feel like you're, you're, you know, it ends up looking like one of those, like the tack boards in a coffee shop that like everybody's like cramming their shit on top of another person's like, that's how it can feel sometimes going through your newsfeed. Right. Then on the other side, I have clients who have put great copy into the world, but not copy that represents them. And they've kind of have pigeonholed themselves talking about subjects they don't want to talk about or coming showing up in a way they don't want to show up because, oh, I've built my audience over here. And I'm scared now that if I talk about the things I really want to talk about, I'm going to lose people, right? And to me, that's like, if, if it's your business, you're planning on doing it for most of your life, right? It's like a partnership. The people that your, your audience is, is the other people in the relationship. 
So if we get started on that wrong foot of like, right, if you go into a relationship pretending you're someone you're not, now you're stuck pretending to be that person forever, like, oh, and then it's heartbreaking. And then you're like, oh, I really like them. I want to show them who I am. But, you know, meanwhile, there's someone walking down the street who's looking for someone exactly like you, but you're over here pretending to be this other person, right? As you can see, copy goes deep. Because <laughs> um, I want both, right? I want your audience to feel really good so you can convert and actually sell, which is important. On the other side, I want we, we create businesses so we can show up in the way we want to show up so we can be free and do the things we love, not so that we can be stuck in roles and shoulds that, you know, we, we could have stayed in corporate if we wanted to do that. So I want people to really feel free to show up exactly in the way they want to show up. Thank you for saying that, because I think we try to reiterate in every episode, the importance of authenticity and showing up as who you are, not only because that is who attract you to your audience. And that's who you want to work with people who appreciate you for you and people who want to work in your genius, but also because exactly what you said, if you're fake in the funk, if I'm like, I love liver, knowing that I hate liver and all the liver makers are like, eat my liver. And I'm gagging every single time I'm ingesting that, that food in my mouth. What is the point? Exactly. And that becomes so exhausting. And if you are retaining people to help you create whatever you want your business to be, you need to be able to articulate who you are. And you can't fake the funk in that because that yeah. is going to cause just a spiral of all of. And, and then when you try to transition and you're like, OK, this isn't who I am. I want to kind of veer to the right. All of these people are going to be like, well, you lied for the five years that you were in business and now we don't know who you are. So you have to start from scratch Yeah. where if you bring your authentic self initially and you want to veer a little bit to the right, there's a good chance that your audience is going to follow suit because they know that you're either moving into a direction of bettering yourself and bettering your community and bettering your audience and then bettering your clientele. So yeah. it's so important to kind of explore who you are. And we are, we are always changing beings, right? If you're going to change, make sure it still follows suit into your core being. Exactly. I will, and sometimes and I, you learn that shit the hard way. <laughs> I, I will even say to you, like, sometimes I do have people that come where that shift is actually exactly what's supposed to happen, but we just delay it for a while. And people were like, I have this giant list and I'm sending stuff out, I'm emailing, I'm doing all the things, but it's not converting. And usually it's because that person that they want to talk to and that way that they want to show up, they're in the list, right? They like, they sense there's something in you. You're, they know you're not talking directly to them, but they feel the vibe. They feel the chemistry. There's something they like about you, right? Like people can pick up, I think our energy and our brand, even if we're not putting it totally out there. But at the same time, you're talking to the people that aren't really your people. It's like, if you have a giant room and you're talking to 50%, and that 50% is like, yeah, you're talking to me, but it doesn't really feel like you want to. So I'm not totally sold. And you have the other 50% of the room that's like, I feel like you have something to say to me, but you're not saying it. So you're not, you can be producing and producing and producing, but you're not getting anything out of it. So finally, when we switch, that other side is so excited because they've been sitting there like, you got it. You're, you showed up. There you are. I knew you were in there. And then they start buying like hotcakes, which is amazing. 
and you get to do it while being you, which is just the best. And I think that it goes a long way where you keep saying it's like, you need to be you. I think so many people in business start off thinking they need to be like their competitor. They need to be like, you know, what they view as some big corporate company. And what makes you different is you. What makes someone want to buy from you is the fact that you're not that big corporate company. You know what I mean? They're looking to support something smaller, something more authentic and unique. And I I find often too, part of the problem and what people don't realize, even with copy, is understanding who your audience is. And the way you understand who your audience is, is like, again, where we were saying from the beginning, is to be authentic with yourself and what you want to represent. I think so many people, even like where I do a lot of visual work, when I ask people like, okay, what's your target audience? They're like, oh, is that necessary? Like, do you need to know that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. I'm like... I absolutely need to. I'm like, because in order for you to do your job with copy and me to do my job visually, we need to know who we're speaking to. I'm like, hold on. Oh, sorry. I'm like, hold on. Where's my soapbox on that one? (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's one of my biggest, when people show up and I'm like, yeah, same thing. Who's your target audience? And they're like, you know, like ages 30 to 45, college educated. I'm like, no, but who the hell are you talking to, right? Like I, I I, do a kickoff call with all my clients before we get to the writing portion. And it's, I call it taking your client to the couch because I literally want to psychoanalyze the shit out of your audience. What did they grow up seeing, right? What kind of conversations were happening at the dinner table? What couldn't they say? What could they say? What was the social narrative, the cultural narrative, right? What's what's their community like? Do they have an idea, but are they getting support for that idea around them? Are people cheerleading for them or, or are they going against them? What do they wake up? I call them 3 a.m. thoughts, like when we are suppressing thoughts and we suddenly wake up in the middle of the night to have to pee and our subconscious wakes up first and boom, there's that thought we were trying to ignore. Like what's your 3 a.m. thought? Like I need you to know them so intimately. And a lot of times it's us, right? A lot of times we're talking to the people that were us five, 10 years ago, and now we're coming full circle and we're being the people that we needed then, but we forgot what it was like in that moment. And I'm like, no, tell me about it. Like, what, were you eating pizza over a trash can? Like, were you, you know, rushing? Were you waking up at, you know, five, 6 a.m.? Did you watch the Netflix? Are you still watching logo pop up 20 times? Like, what was it like in that moment? What did life look like for you? And that's, that's what we need to, that's, we need to get rid of demographic, like fuck demographic, just talk to about our person. Right. And I think this also is a, is an amazing segue into downloads. I hate downloads. I don't care about your download number. I don't care how many downloads you got per episode. My concentration with all of my clients is who are you speaking to? Are there particular people that subscribe and get hyped up that your episode is going to drop? the day before your episode drops? Are there people that are contacting you regularly on social media saying, listening to your episode is what got me through this day? Or this is what I learned because of that episode. Or just thank you. I was in a bad mood. I listened and now and now my energy has completely changed. Yeah. And these are literally reviews and emails that we get. So as far as how many downloads per episode we're receiving, I truly don't care. (laughs) You're showing up to touch someone's life, to do something. 
That's the whole point, right? Is to show up and to touch other people. And you can't judge that from downloads because somebody can subscribe to your podcast. It can be downloaded into their phone and they never listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about that number? They've never listened to you. They downloaded that episode as a nicety. Like, thanks so much. Cool, 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 cool. (laughs) They're not getting any kind of impact from it. And the fact that you go so deep with each and every one of your clientele not only makes you a better, better able to write their copy, but it also allows them to see who they are in a manner in which they never would have thought of if you hadn't gone through that process with them. So that's freaking brilliant and genius. Thank you. We have a lot of, I wasn't expecting it starting off, a lot of crying on kickoff calls. And sometimes it's just realigning with their mission. Sometimes people have been doing what they've been doing for so long that they really have disconnected with the why or what their person is going through, or what they're trying to solve. And when they sit down to say it out loud and say, yeah, she's she's having a hard time. She's feeling in a really dark place. I really want to help her get here. I want her to feel free. And when they start to say it, they like, they feel themselves step back into their purpose. It's such a cool thing to watch because I'm like, that I want them to know that, right? I want your audience to know that you care so damn much about them that you literally just cried on a Zoom call talking about where they're at right now. Like that's what we all deserve to feel from the people that we're hiring. Like, nah, they got my back, right? Like, nah, they made this podcast for me. They did it because they know that I needed this today and they really showed up to do the damn thing. Like that's that's what we should all be working to create, I think. So how with so many people in podcasting concentrating and focusing on audio, which audio is important, but so many times people put show notes in their copy. And even to the point of they don't think about the concept of their podcast name yeah. and the traffic that even their name is going to drive and, and reach out to the audience. They say, you know, podcasting with Bethany Hawkins. Well, <laughs> When I, when I speak to my clients, I'm like, a name is so important or it, it gives me chills like to the bone when I'm in these podcasting groups and they're like, what do you think I should name my podcast? And I'm like, if you can't even take the time to find something that's going to connect with you in your podcast name, you're not going to be winning in these podcast game streets. <laughs> You got a point. And it's almost like, yeah, stepping into a Facebook group and be like, what should I name my child? What do you guys think is is good? And just letting them throw out whatever. But yeah, something that's going to actually appeal. Naming is to me always the hardest part of copy because I feel like with other parts of copy, you're always producing, putting out you know more stuff. Naming has a sense of permanence to it, right? And you want it to really feel and 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 hit, right? That's probably one of the longest processes that I spend around copy is name. And they're like, it's two words. I'm like, yeah, but it's like two important words. <laughs> and also show notes. So many people are quick to put show notes to the back burner because after everything that's in in the process of creating that podcast episode, you're recording, you're editing, you're extracting sound bites, you're creating your intro, you're creating your outro, you're putting it all together, you're splicing. So at the end, they're like, fuck what you heard. I'm just popping this bitch and the podcast hosting station <laughs> and, and it's just going to have the links to my guest. Hopefully people will find them, but where that kind of, kind of thinking doesn't behoove them in the long run is if somebody is binging your episode and they want to go back and listen or refer that particular episode that they feel their friend would really benefit from, 
without the importance of those show notes, without that, the importance of that copy, you don't know what to refer to. People get lost in that. Yeah. I think when it comes to show notes, I kind of take a similar approach when it comes to leading to any major content piece, whether it's like a video or a blog or something, right? Where, yeah, we want to summarize it. But to me, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know when the last time y'all picked up a physical magazine. I used to love physical magazines. They're not as in vogue anymore. Um, I need woman's world because I'm old. I need to touch a physical, I need to turn pages, damn it. But to me, it, it should have like a very letter to the editor vibe, right? Like, to me, those were so cool because they weren't like a diary entry from the editor. They were relevant. They were consistent. It had a good call to action going on in it. You know, if it was the fall issue, they'd be like, man, I thought my Uncle John's farm fresh tomato soup was the best, but that's until I had chef so-and-so soup and we got it over here on page 12. You should check it out, right? So I'm getting a little bit of a flavor of a taste of who that person is but it's not distracting from what they're telling me to go and do. It's still saying, hey, you know, here's here's a little bit of embodiment. Let's connect for a split second, but then I want you to go and check this out. And to me, it's like, that doesn't have to be long. That can be a paragraph that you can do that in, but it's still doing the job. And I'll (laughs) write my show notes. (laughs) And I would like to note, because I've been seeing this a lot on social media, and I feel like I need to get on my soapbox is these 30 second, you know, reels or one minute TikToks where people are saying, oh, you can be a copywriter. All you have to do is go on so-and-so website. They pay you however many, however much money per number of words. The average human speaks 300 words a minute. You can just go ahead and sit there and, and speak. But no, the research that goes into having to be a copywriter is insane in itself because you're literally trying to capture someone else's voice. So it upsets me so much when I see stuff like that. And I tell people, take social media with a grain of salt, because at the end of the day, these people, A, they have a short amount of time to to give you any information, but B, they're trying to say things to capture your attention quickly enough and get views. So not always are you going to find the correct information out there. You still always need to back up anything you find with research because you don't know at half the time it's you look at that person's video. They've already basically said you can do 80 other jobs that have taken people God knows how long in education and experience to become professionals in. And they're like, you can do it in a minute. Like, no. Yeah, that's well. And unfortunately that's why it's turning to, I have a lot of clients that come to me with like copywriter PTSD where they're like, I hired someone and it was an awful experience. And I'm like, and it's literally because of that. People are like, oh, I can, and I get it, you know, work from home. Most of the time it's good pay. Some people pay trash, you know, depending on the (laughs) the websites out there. But yeah, there's, there's a lot to it. There's like we said, there's psychology to it. There's really understanding the culture of what's going on in different societies. There's, you know, I had, I had one, I was talking to one of my clients and she shared something with me. Her, her father does generational trauma research and shared something with me that I was like, okay, I definitely need to start keeping that in mind with copy where I won't say all, but the majority of African-American parents don't like to shed a lot of, or has been this way, praise, good job, congratulations onto their children. 
And if we go back, that makes perfect sense because if you were a slave and your child is special, you don't want anyone to know your child is special. They're going to get worked to death or they're going to get, you're going to get separated or they're going to get sold. So as a survival mechanism, you know, we, we stopped doing that. We just stopped giving that praise to our kids and it, and it trickled down. Hopefully we changed that. But for a while, that's been the generational trauma we've been handed. So now if I'm not aware of that and I'm seeing, you know, Susan Lee over here is the flood in her copy with praise and you go girl and all, you know, the kind of things. And I put it over here and it's making someone subconsciously uncomfortable and they're pushing away from it and they don't know why, right? These are all the little things that are coming into, they're not just showing up to read your copy. They're showing up with a backpack full of shit. We all have a backpack full of shit that we are know or don't know about, right? So it's kind of like, you have to be able to, you're never going to know it all, but you're going to have to be able to get a feel of the majority of what they're coming with to know how to talk to them in a way that actually converts. That's why we see brands like freaking Nike that can put something out, a commercial out, never show a sneaker in the whole damn thing, never show a logo in the whole damn thing. And it touches us because they're not selling the product. They're selling the feeling and their experience that the person really wants. Right. So that's, I think the difference between like sign up today, copy and the actual process that goes into it. And I think it's so important that people realize that there are charlatans and no matter what professional and what field, and you can say, you can verbalize that you're anything. I can be like, I'm an astronaut. Am I an astronaut? No. Just like people, as you had said, because it is, it's trending to be a copywriter, not appreciating that copywriting is an art and something that people have mastered for years, as Sherline had said. And people are retaining people to write their blogs and their newsletters under the guise of, oh, well, she said that she was a copywriter. And then once you have your particular format on your, and you're asking them to follow it and they come up with like this one sentence blurbage that's just trash. And you're like, I don't know much about people. And then they don't, be, if, especially if people don't understand what copywriting can really do for them, they're yeah. gun shy from retaining a copywriter again because of that experience. Yeah, so actually, as Sherilyn was saying, do the research. Find if you have a copywriter, look at their stuff. Ask to see samples of their work. And even look at their social media. Is if their social media posts are just <laughs> nothing, like or or a picture of just their family with nothing on it, like like no love, no, just <laughs> nothing. Just a picture of you and like your kids. You'd be like, damn, this is her whole social media for the last month. She didn't write one damn word. Yeah. And and that could be because you're so burnt out from writing. <laughs> the thing is, it, 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 and the thing is too, like when you're a writer, that that should just kind of like it flows out. There's stuff you have to. My husband is like, you share everything, and I'm like, that's that's my love language, baby. Like, <laughs> I have to, I have to talk about it. I want to. Con- that's how we connect with people, right? But yeah, it's 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 true. It is becoming, and also like, yeah, do your research, but also pay attention to the questions they're asking, right? Like one of my biggest things are, what do you want to keep in your copy, right? Because sometimes we could, we're, we're like, the first sense of it all is we're kind of Marie Kundoing when I when I show up on the scene of like, all right, what part of this do you really love? And what can I take away and replace, right? Like, just let's get down to how, how do you enjoy showing up? Okay, where does your audience need you to show up? And where's that bridge in the middle? And that takes a lot of, there's, there's intake work. If you're a writer, it's like, oh, cool, I got your website. I can do this run 
run, right? Like there should be a serious intake process that's happening before they can write anything because they have to know you. I should have run. I should have run, Jack. I should have run. Hashtag <laughs> speaking from experience. But I was not jaded because I knew I knew the really real regarded copywriters. But that experience was wild. Man, I, yeah, I have people that are like, yeah, they just I just sent in my link and they said they'd get back to me in two days. I'm like, what? Like there was no no anything. No, I'm like, I, I'll be honest. If you if for someone that's working with me, we have a call. You got a questionnaire. I might ask you to do an exercise. Like we, I need to know all the layers of what's happening here. And also too, I think, you know, you can get good enough. Like you can, you can find good enough out there. I think the hardest copy is copy that's almost getting it, but not that's there, but you can't quite put your finger on why it's not quite landing. Like that's the, that's the area where there needs to be the most work done, I think. So if you're working on copy, do you work with particular clients on, like, do you produce particular particular client copy on particular days or do you do all of your copy at the same time because I I have to imagine that it's kind of like Jiminy Cricket in your head for one clientele and then it's like Sybil in your head for another clientele and here all of the and being able to write in which convey the message for so many different clients and so many different ideas. How does that work? Like what's your process? No one's ever asked me that before. That's really exciting. So even for my consulting clients, like I do this for myself and anyone that does, if you do any facet of writing, having a copy bank is so important because you'll write a line, you'll see a piece of information, you'll see a quote that even if you're not sitting down at that moment, I'll be like, oh, this feels so like them. And I'll put it there. And then later on, I'll know to turn back to it because yeah, you always are getting information. If you just leave it there, you forget until it's time to do it. Also that kickoff call that I have with my clients, I do record it and listen to it when I'm doing the writing exactly for, for what, what you guys said. It has to be, I have to be a voice impersonator as well. I have to sound like you. And I also try to listen for like the little isms, right? Like we all have certain vernacular based on where we grew up, how we spoke in school, especially if it's going to be like if you're a coach or if you're, you know, if it's someone that's going to go from being your audience and reading your stuff to working with you and actually speaking to you on a regular basis, it really needs to sound like you. People are going to come through and be like, what the hell? This doesn't feel at all like what I signed up for. So I try to capture like all of their, the, the tiny things that make it sound like them. And then the other thing is I come up with a voice filter. And a lot of times that voice filter is a person or a Frankenstein of people that's kind of like, okay, if if we had, you know, a, a brand sponsor out there for you that, that could be a representative that you felt well adapted. But I even go further than that, right? So it's like, I want to know who the person is and I want to know what situation they're in and what's happening, right? So we've gotten so many cool. We got like Michelle Obama having brunch after a bad yoga class and joking with her girlfriends, right? We've had Zach Galifian, no, uh, Zach Efron after one too many drinks with the most interesting man in the world and decide to go on a hike in the woods and they're having this conversation, right? Like, so this is the kind of stuff that I like to know with my clients because then if I'm writing something before I put it out to world, that's the question. It's like, does this sound like something that would be said in this moment, in this scene, if not like, all right, let's scrap it. And I think that's also really helpful in general for people that are even doing their own copy, right? Because sometimes you, you're you so swayed, right? If you just got off the phone with like your mother-in-law or you had a conversation with someone who's been in the same industry as you for 10 years, your voice is always going to change depending on 
what that last influencer exposure was. So having that filter in place to sit down, I do consulting with my clients as well. So that's like one of the things where I'm like, all right, let's build out your filter. So no matter where you're showing up, you're like, okay, is does this match this? It does. Cool. All right. It can go out. If not, maybe I need to take a beat and come back to this later because I still have like Hamilton playing in my head or whatever the hell it is that I was just doing. Hamilton is always playing in my head. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> Anytime I have a client that's like, you could throw a little Hamilton. I'm like, yes. No, that's brilliant. I love the idea of the filters. I've never had it explained in that way. And I think that that's genius. Thank you. So in addition to you being a word, we need to find a better word than word. <laughs> And, and like creator of content and create and the mistress of words in that cannot formulate in my mind or mouth right now. <laughs> you can also listen to the podcast. You can listen to the podcast. I do. <laughs> so one of the podcasts that you mentioned was Maybe You're an Asshole by Grace Edison. Yes. And we actually produce her podcast. So tell us why you listen to Maybe You're an Asshole and what you love about it. So, and I have to, I have to mail him this part. I got you in trouble for a second because I, I personally love Grace Edison. And I was like, can I, can I mention this? I'm going to be on chatting with Chowder tomorrow. And she was like, what? I haven't gotten to be on chatting with Chowder yet. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, well, we were talking and it came up in conversation. So y'all better draft up that email as soon as you get off of here Grace Edison is pissed we um, have a meeting with her tomorrow so thanks for the heads up because now I know that she's coming for me now I know like Cheryl Ann and I both have a meeting with her tomorrow and I'm gonna wear my, my armor and I'm gonna be I'm ready girl I'm ready bring it like Canada five minutes before hey so we want you on the podcast right before you go into that meeting because I, I tried to do some damage control yesterday so Grace Grace and I worked together. She's an amazing, brilliant person, probably one of the most amazing people in sales I've ever seen in my life. And before getting to actually listen to, to maybe you're an asshole, I got to be on it. And she was like, what do you want to talk? And I'm like thinking, maybe you're an asshole. Like we're talking about different assholes and copy, like blah, blah. And, you know, jumped on there and we didn't, we didn't talk about copy. She was like, so what, what areas are you an asshole and where have you hurt people and how can you make that better? And can you ask them for forgiveness? And can you ask yourself for forgiveness? And I'm like, it's a trap. This is a goddamn <laughs> trap. This is the worst podcast I've ever been on to hell with you. I was not expecting this. I'm like tearing up on there. I'm talking about like childhood trauma and my mom and my mentor and all this. I'm like, oh my God. But for me, I love that because if, you know, anyone that's, that's, read anything that Grace puts into the world or what she talks about or even been in a room with her. She does not do surface levels. She's so real and just she's in a constant quest to become a better version of herself. And she wants everyone else on that journey along with her. And so, you know, silly me to think I was going to come in and have a surface level conversation with her. But I think we we need to have these talks more and for her to actually say, let's not talk about something. We're in such like, you know, we got cancel culture. We got like, you know, all we're, and we're looking at things, which is great, but are we looking at ourselves? 
in that way? Are we holding ourselves up to the same standard that we're holding the rest of the world up to? So for her to create something that's literally asking that space and the forgiveness element of it, like, do you forgive yourself? Do you Can you ask forgiveness of someone else? To me, I'm like, I've, I've never heard a podcast like that in my life. So I just thought that whole thing is just epic. That's like a, that's like heavy therapy work in a podcast. It's going to change some lives for real. When we were having our, our meeting and we were kind of like hashtagging how it was going to, hashtagging, uh, hashing out what it was going to look like and how it was going to feel for the guests and like what bullets she wanted to embrace in every single episode. She had said, well, well, how do you feel about like at the end, if I offer to ask the person, if they want to offer forgiveness to the person in which they wronged and like my body immediately went into goose pimples. And I was like, that's so beautiful because it's giving, even if that person never hears that episode, Mm. it's going out into the universe. And I truly believe that whomever you believe you wronged can feel that energy shift. So it's not only a release for the person who's willing to give themselves the opportunity to apologize. It it is also for the person, even if they don't hear it, to feel that they were heard and that somebody feels genuinely sorry for that experience. And like, Grace is just so rad. There's no other word I can use to describe her. It's amazing. And she's hilarious. She's done. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Have you guys seen her stand-up comedy stuff? She's done. I'm like totally outing her right now. She's going to kill me. She has some, some... stand-up comedy work like she's she's just beyond hilarious it just flows so naturally to her and then there's this other side that she slips in and out of so effortlessly that I'm like wow you know that this realness and the fact that like she will stop and look at her own the way she navigates conversations herself and okay how can I make this better was I thinking about the other person's experience in this right how do I just become a better human overall and we don't stop enough to do that and even if it's like for the people that are lucky enough to to get to sit across from her and have that experience we don't we don't stop to ask ourselves these questions so it's I hope the people listening to it actually ask themselves the same questions because yeah it's it's work it's the right kind of work she's just one of those people who are just angels on this earth where she makes you a better person just for being in her circumference yes and for being in her light and it's like wow Every time I engage with her or I look at her post or she she's like a natural teacher. Yes. And I think that's why she's so good at sales, because it's not just like, hey, buy my shit. She's going to educate you on the importance of purchasing this for your life, for your family's life. And you're like, I never knew I needed that Swiffer. <laughs> and you know, whatever you know it. You know, she, she shows up with like her badass tattoos and her colored hair. And she's like, sit down. Let me talk to you for a minute. Right. Like <laughs> you're like, OK, like, let's talk. So the other one you chose is about ba- balanced black girl. Yes. And I listened to I listened to this podcast and I was like, God damn. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Bring in some like legit strong women. <laughs> like. That is amazing. Yeah. Her voice is truly like velvet. It's like tea. It's like you're sitting with like a warm cup of tea and you're just like, yeah, yeah, I needed that. And then she invites people who equally sound like velvet. Yes. So if it's like you're going in this meditative trance of knowledge and 
betterment of yourself and allowing you to show up into the world unapologetically flawed. Yeah. And, and I was like, my podcast ain't like this. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, so I found Balanced Black Girl when I first launched my business and things started to get really busy. And I think one of the beautiful things about, I, I say like your 20s is like data collection and your 30s is like when you get to start putting that shit into play. And so once things started to get busy, like I knew enough about myself from my previous years to be like, okay, I need to, if I don't slow down, if I don't balance, if I don't have some self-care to implement, I'm going to, I'm going to burn out and I don't want to do that. I want to be able to show up for my clients. So I found hers and I think hers was even when she, even when she talked about her own journey and like how she's showing up in the podcast and, you know, her approaches to burnout and she's so real but it's never like in a navel gazing way. It's like, here's what happened. Here's what I learned about it. And here's how I can do better. And I invite you to try the same, right? Or like the people that she's inviting on are like neuroscientists that are like, oh yeah, your brain totally creates this chemical that does X, Y, Z. And if you do this and like, and it's, it gives you a real understanding versus like surface level. Oh, put on a face mask and, you know, have, have some lavender tea and that's your self-care. She's like, no, like this is what self-care really looks like. And I think also the fact that, that she is a black woman. And I think for so long, we're, I feel like we're just now like ri- really riding the self-care wave into understanding that we deserve it, that we can actually ask for help, that we can actually put down the strong superwoman fucking archetype that was created for us and step into this. So she's definitely a pioneer in that. She's amazing. And I love the narrative that because so many people have have this idea that Black women are loud and obnoxious and in your face and assertive. And I love that she is showing the perspective of a woman who is just calming in nature, that it's not a preachy type of podcast. It's an informative podcast. It's a, here's how you can incorporate this into your everyday life, into your everyday being without, you know, so many people, like being able to afford to go to a spa, you have to have money. Yeah. You have to, you know, have some sort of affluence in order to do something like that. Yeah. And for her to give the information in which you can do it at any time, at any place, at any location, and then you can go back and listen to what her, she or her guests have said in order to implement that, to, to create a calming essence within your body. Yeah. It was like, damn. damn. Or even like she said, you know, she shows herself as an example of setting boundaries and protecting yourself, right? Which is such a big part of self-care. And she's like, you know what? I'm I'm just doing two podcasts a month this this month because I'm I'm protecting myself and this is what we're putting out here. And or I'm noticing this and I decide not to go on tour. And she she's really clear with listening to herself and responding in a way that I feel gives permission to the people that are also listening to her podcast. So it's just, yeah, it's it's a great one. I hope you're hooked on it because it's it's good. <laughs> I have now subscribed. <laughs> now hit that button. So tell us because you are forced to make your own soup because you live in Mexico and we cannot get soup out of the goddamn state. We had a guest from Scotland. I couldn't get her anything. We I had people researching for you. 
I couldn't get you anything. So you are a former chef who has done all of the things. So I will be strongly disappointed if you tell me that you opened up a can of soup and, <laughs> and nuked it in the microwave. No, no, we um, won't be. I found I was in the hospital a couple months ago because I found out that I'm like intolerant to a bunch of shit that I didn't realize I was intolerant to. And then I just overdid it like everybody in COVID. So I've been playing a lot with like international dishes and stuff like that to make up for all the shit I can't have anymore. So last night was actually really good. We did, I think this counts as a soup. It was a Thai shrimp red curry. So most of it was like liquid based. So it was pretty, it felt soupy, but it was good. A lot of spices, a lot of great coconut milk. It was, it was good. It's so funny. The other day I had made curry and I had the remaining for breakfast because, <laughs> because those, it was so good. Those are the kind of dishes that like, they just taste better the next, the next day. day. <laughs> so good. I love those. I will purposely like save a serving because I'm like, nope, this is going to be bomb tomorrow. <laughs> yes. And it, and I had made like this big old pot of basmati, like Indian basmati rice with it. And it, and I had my husband had combined it all together when he was cleaning up the kitchen and just the rice absorbed all of that flavor and all of that liquid. And because now I can't eat gluten and I can't eat dairy. Same. That's where I'm at. No gluten, no dairy. Oh, the life, oh. man. So it's so funny when you said about the coconut milk, because now we purchased coconut milk. So I had yeah. coconut milk in there and just the flavors that just married as it sat overnight. I, I had some gluten-free naan. So I heated. Wait, up where is your gluten free? You got to share that with me. Yeah. Because I've been looking for a good gluten free non recipe. It was nom. And I, I put it in my cast iron skillet that has the ridges and I put some olive oil and I was like, nom, 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 nom. you made the non from scratch or you bought it. So I bought it, but there is this Greek gluten free flour okay. that tastes just like regular flour. Is it the red milk? Um, okay, we can have this conversation. But <laughs> I'm like <laughs> getting all into that's a whole other episode. Flattening <laughs> in your DMs though. I'd be like, <laughs> yes. And, and if you buy it off of Amazon, it comes. My husband was like, "Can we get this box out of our canned? Because we have, we have canned goods on a particular." Like, I think yeah. every black family has canned goods. Yeah. In one yeah. particular. <laughs> he was like, can we get this out of here? It doesn't belong here. <laughs> but I'll, oh, I'll get you the box name and everything. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so our last segment is called Fizz, Please. And I hate to wrap up because I could talk to you for, for days. And you're just so amazing. And I'm so awesome. excited that you said yes to coming on and that you are here and that you made your own soup. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. So tell everybody where you can be found, what you're promoting. Because I know, and you're also on a couple of, of different podcasts too. So we will put those lo- links in, in the yeah. show notes. What's all your business? So self-righteous, basically, I'm just trying to show up for people in their copy where they need it, whether that's them doing it hands-on or me doing it for them, right? So I at selfrighteous.com, you can find me. I do one-on-one coaching, consulting, whatever you want to call it, where we work together and you kind of just learn on yourself how to step into that voice and show up with it consistently. Or for the people that's like, I don't give a fuck about copy, take it, do it for me. I also do that. (laughs) Um, I'm too busy for this shit. I got it. Cool. And then I also have a membership called Crazy Sexy Copy, where we show up every week and we talk about different areas of copy. We have weekly work sessions. It's a lot of fun. 
great group. And keep the names I'm telling you. That's how you know. That's how you know you got a good copywriter too. Oh, our our weekly uh, our weekly calls are called Copy Sutra. So it's it's a lot of fun. I love it. You're just so fly. Like oh. everything about you, your whole essence. You're just. I'm so glad that we connected and I found you and I began stalking you on social media and I'm not mad about it. So. I'll get, I'll, I hope you know I'm stalking y'all too because <laughs> it's it's what it's newsfeed chemistry, right? Where you see people and you're like, I see you. Something's yeah. going to happen here eventually. I just know it. <laughs> the time, the time. <laughs> like if I love all of her stuff, she's bound to notice me sooner or later. <laughs> It does kind of work that way. <laughs> I'm like, and your whole family's beautiful. Like oh, the, thank you. the pictures that you post is just so calming and your whole essence is amazing. Thank, thank you so you. much for being on today. Oh, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Chatting Over Chowder. This episode is sponsored by Crackers and Soup. You can find out more about our guest and Crackers and Soup in our show notes. If you loved this episode, subscribe and drop us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, stay stay super. super.